Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Difficult Conversations. Today, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to go into an area that I'm going to be honest. I'm not an expert in what we're going to talk about tonight, but I have three people that are. So tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about anti-Semitism and the effects that it's having on the country. So I have four, excuse me, three wonderful guests. I have Bobby Mard, class of 94, fellow graduate. I have Ben Thaler, also class of 94, old, both longtime friends. And I have Mark Snyder, where if you live in Southeastern Massachusetts, you have to know who he is. He's a journalist. He is somebody who's around town. He emcees events. So uh, very well known and very fortunate that the three of you took time away from your family to be here tonight. So a couple, probably a couple months ago, Bobby reached out to me and said, hey, I'm watching your show. I, I'm enjoying what you're doing. But here's an issue that I think would be of interest to you. Bobby, can you just tell yeah. us a little bit about that? I can. Um, so the summer of 2020 is what I'm fondly referring to, or not so fondly, as the summer of anti-Semitism. And I reached out to you probably within the first few weeks of me struggling to um, to digest and understand and accept things that I was seeing happening um, as far as anti-Semitism. So when I reached out to you is... Um, after, just to rewind for one moment, Deshaun Jackson of the Philadelphia Eagles over the summer um, kind of started this whole train rolling when he quoted um, Hitler, which it wasn't actually a Hitler quote, but he attributed it to Hitler um, and Farrakhan. Um, and what was happening when he uh, when he did that was Deshaun Jackson has 1.5 million followers on Instagram who are reading this information and i just i want to quote what he said um so the, the quote was white jews so people like me um will blackmail america and they will extort america but their plan for world domination won't work if the negroes know who they were so um this is troubling to me on a lot of different levels first because he attributed that that to hitler and obviously hitler didn't did not say that um would not talk about um, about the black community in such a way. <laughs> um, and also because once he shared that story and once it came to light, I went and read the comments um, and they were all anti-Semitic and in support of what he had said, as opposed to saying like, you don't mean that, um, you don't wanna quote Hitler. So, um, when I reached out to you, Dean, was after there had been this fallout and Steven Jackson had gone ahead and, you know, made a made a big deal out of um, out of Deshaun Jackson. And then we had Ice Cube coming out over the summer with his multiple um, multiple posts about anti-Semitism, you know, pretty disgusting. Um, you know, it's just it's not at a time when we're focusing, especially over the summer when Black Lives Matter was at its height. I was having trouble understanding how one community could treat another community like that. And um, I reached out to you because it's a hard conversation to have um, and that you because you have difficult conversations. I thought this would be a good format to be able to, you know, to kind of bring that to light. Oh, well said, Bobby. Um, I'm going to go to Ben now. Um, ben, how do you fit into this? How do you feel that this is affecting life as we know it, and how is this affecting your life? Um, I, I have to say that it affecting my life, not not really as much because it's not it's not direct it's not directly affecting my life. I live in a rather um, a diverse town, but we do have a lot of Jews and it has had a lot of Jews. And I grew up in a town that at the time, you know, it had a lot of Jews and I went to a summer camp that was Jewish. So all of my life, I went to a school and I pledged a Jewish fraternity and I surrounded myself with Jews. So it, it, it didn't, it didn't really impact me at all. That's not to say that it wasn't there or that I didn't see it. Um, but it wasn't as prevalent, I guess, at the time, but I think with, um, a 24 hour news cycle, social media, just different platforms where people are able to get whatever they want to say off their chest. I, I think it's become more prevalent in society to say those types of things. And unfortunately, uh, for, for some groups and some communities, it's become all too common and acceptable. 
common and accepted. So you're seeing a rise in it, huh? Absolutely. Like I said, it, it, a, a rise, would, I would say, doesn't necessarily mean that, that it wasn't prevalent beforehand. But again, I just think that the platforms that people have, you know, allow them to, to spew whatever it is that they want to say, unfiltered keyboard warriors, you know, as they say, oh, behind my keyboard, I can't get in trouble. I can say whatever I want. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't you know, actually affect communities and, and people and the way that they think because this unfiltered access to whatever people want to say, you read it and like Deshaun Jackson has 1.5 million followers. So if people say, hey, Deshaun Jackson believes it, all right, well, it must be true. I, I agree with you 100%. In the age of social media, people are able to just kind of light fire to a situation and then just walk away as it burns with no consequences. All right, so I'm going to go to Mark on this. Mark, why don't you jump in on this? How are you seeing um, the rise in this in this alarming type of behavior, and how is it affecting your day-to-day? -day? It doesn't affect my day-to-day -day at all because uh, it, it just doesn't. But I, as a journalist, I, I look at this stuff all the time. And, uh, for instance, uh, years ago when I was growing up, there were people who were anti-Semitic, and they had to reach out and find other people like themselves. Now, if you are anti-Semitic and you're on social media, you can find all kinds of folks who share your belief. In fact, uh, 4.2 million anti-Semitic tweets were shared in the past year. That's according to Twitter. They removed that many. There's probably a lot more than that that they haven't touched. So, you know, that's that's a that's a real problem. That and and, and uh, things like this. In in America, they did a poll and they asked Americans. If this is true, Jews have too much control or influence on Wall Street. 19% of Americans believe that to be true. And also almost 15% of Americans believe that Jews are loyal to Israel more than America. Those kind of things are really dangerous. And that's, that's what I follow. I, I'm following what's going out there. And I see the celebrities doing what they're doing and saying what they're saying. And it's very dangerous when uh, when people you were just talking about one of them who did that the sports star that that stuff is dangerous and we have to watch it and and unfortunately the social media companies really don't do a great job in terms of uh, reeling it in. All right, I got to go to Bobby. Bobby, I can tell you're feeling some kind of way. Jump <laughs> on in now. I can tell by your body language you want in. I do want in on this conversation. All right. So um. So I've certainly noticed a rise in anti-Semitism, and I can actually, uh, I can actually provide um, a, a recent incident that happened in a school in my town. Please do. We love stories. So, and it happened to a friend of mine's child. Um, we have several schools in the town, but there's one school for the fourth to sixth grade. Very impressionable age group. Um, my friend who's Jewish and her son who is Jewish, um, her son was approached by somebody in school who gave her, um, who gave her son the Heil Hitler sign, the Hitler salute and used those words to him, Heil Hitler to somebody that was in the fifth grade. Um, the fact that it's happening in schools like that is incredibly disturbing when we preach teaching kids tolerance you can't have it both ways we need to be able to show our kids that this is wrong but we have to start by demonstrating that ourselves and by giving them the proper education um and just like as a as a side note the first time i ever experienced anti-semitism was not in Stoughton, and I did experience, I've experienced it for myself many, many times, but was not in Stoughton. It was, um, for those who don't know, I went to the University of Michigan. I'm very proud of that. Um, and when we got way back in the olden days, when we, when we got our roommates by mail, and then you had to, you know, mail, you know, mail them and ask for a phone number because there was no internet back then. Um, I got my roommate. I, um, I, I wrote and asked her for her phone number. My first conversation with her um, via phone included the question from me, what religion are you? You asked that question. I asked that question. Can I ask why? 
because I want to see if there's like-minded people around me. Like I grew up in a Jewish community. Um, I grew up in a Jewish household. I feel very comfortable. It's a community. I feel very comfortable around my own community. And I know that there was a, you know, larger population of Jewish people that went to Michigan. One of the reasons that I chose the school. Um, and I wanted to know who I was living with. Um, and to me, religion doesn't matter at all. Um, you can be any religion. I really don't care. And I'm actually really interested in other religions. But this woman said back to me, and at the time we were 18, um, when she asked me what religion I was, I said Jewish. And she responded to me, the only thing that I know about the Jews is that they killed Jesus. So needless to say, I switched my room pretty, pretty quickly. But that was my first, that was my first encounter with somebody actually saying something like that to me, like in Stoughton, that doesn't happen. You know, I didn't get that in high school. We have kids of all races and religions in Stoughton. And, you know, in the high school, we, it was a nice microcosm for the outside world, I think. So Bobby, let me jump in real quick on that. All right. So clearly not appropriate what was said. So let's go back to the to the high school. I mean, to the school issue. Yeah. So what what was the school's response to that? Um, well, my friend got a phone call immediately. The child reported it. My friend received a phone call immediately. The other parents also received a phone call immediately. What we found to be really interesting is that this child is Indian. So it's like one minority group saying something to another minority group in town's very complicated issues, you know? Yeah. Um, so we don't it, think the kid actually knew what he was saying, to be it, honest. It makes it very difficult for the school nowadays because now a lot of what they've done, a lot of discretion has been taken away from school administrators. So now they literally, it's almost like they have checklists. And okay. it's one protected class versus another protected class, which complicates things. It does. You know, so so that's all good stuff. Mark, go ahead. Students have some issues, though. I haven't lived there a long time. Uh, because uh, there are, there have been a number of incidents of swastikas and Hitler references in the school system, and they were not responded to well by previous superintendent schools. It was covered up, and the only reason they came out was because I had it on my column. And, and that kind of stuff's not good. I think that they need to they take control of the stuff. First of all, they, 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 they are doing a pretty good job of educating on the Holocaust still. They have a teacher that's been teaching a course at Stone High School for years, and that's a good thing. But a lot of the school systems have really lost their track on the Holocaust. And a number of people, a number of kids growing up, don't know really about the Holocaust. They think that it's an exaggeration. It may not have happened because they're reading all this stuff on social media and not getting educated in the classroom. Right? That's a major problem. Ah, this is a natural segue for me to go to Ben. Ben? Again, I could see you. you. You know, we played sports together, and I know that look, man. Ben wants to come in, and he wants to make a difference. Ben, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Mark, it, it could not have been a better segue. <laughs> it could not have been a better segue. There was, uh, I was doing a little research on this, you know, you know wanted to make sure that, you know, we, we had a good in-depth conversation on all this, and then just wanted a couple of points, you know, to back up what we were saying. And it was actually a study done. And I want to quote this properly by the United States Millennial Holocaust Knowledge and Awareness Committee um, in 2018. And they studied millennials. They studied a thousand millennials across the entire 50 states. 63% did not know that 6 million Jews were killed. 36% said it was under 2 million. 48% could not name one concentration camp. And 20% of millennials and Generation Z in New York felt that Jews caused the Holocaust. <laughs> now, New York City specifically has a, a big Jewish population, big Orthodox Jewish population as well. And if you've seen the rise in the anti-Semitic attacks, you know, just in, you know, the Orthodox community in New York alone, um, it's really it, it's really disconcerting. And we were, and we were talking about that before it's it's not just jews that were exterminated in these camps it's anyone who's disabled there were gay people anyone who wasn't aryan were rounded round up and exterminated so it wasn't just jews there just happened to be more jews than anyone else but for people not to have this type of education about everything that went on it is is really a challenge for the older generations to say how come you don't know this and and what are we missing you know why why do you not know this i'm dumbfounded disconnect ben i am dumbfounded i've 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 heard a lot of things crazy obviously i i'm i'm a, i'm a minority and i've heard crazy things but the 
the the whole the Jew Jewish people started the Holocaust, like they caused it. Yep. I don't I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a special kind of conspiracy theory right there. That is that is crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna Bob Bobby. I'm gonna come back to you. But I want to go to Mark because Mark, uh, you have seniority here, you know. So this stuff. Have you ever heard anything like that before? Like the Holocaust was. Yes. Was, yes. That, that actually the study that that he quoted from did get wide exposure in, in the mainstream media. I mean, people know about that. So, and again, I think that we're we're from Stoughton, so we know that the Stoughton uh, schools actually did do education on the set, but a lot of school systems around the country have shirked their responsibility in teaching the Holocaust, and that's one of the reasons why the millennials that are growing up have no background. They don't know what actually happened. And the history books are changing. It's very interesting. A lot of people don't know this, but many of the textbooks that have been put in the school systems were paid for by Saudi Arabia. They actually, they actually provided textbooks to American schools where Israel was excised from the books and the Holocaust was changed. And the, a lot of schools were teaching with their books. <laughs> people didn't know this because they went through different foundations where the money came that you got to trace the money. And that's sometimes a, a, a chore that the media doesn't want to do. Yeah. They take the easy way out. But that's, well, happened, that's not just the media, Mark. You know, in my line of work too, my day job, those of you that are new to the show, um, I, my day job, I am a police officer. And that happens a lot with drug investigations. Sometimes you don't want to chase the money because crime and specific acts are finite. You usually can, can isolate those. But when you start chasing money, there's no telling how deep that rabbit hole goes, and it sounds like this is that same kind of situation. Yeah. All right, great point. Bobby, want, I go. On this? All right. <laughs> um, well, I did want to make everybody aware of something in regards to education and why our, why our students are not um, aware of it. Um, I'm not sure if anybody knows. I know I know, and I'm sure the people you know in this group know, um, but... Only 15 states in our country mandate Holocaust education at the secondary school level. 15 states. Massachusetts is not one of them. Um, once I found that out, and just by the way, Delaware was actually the 15th state and it was added late in the summer. Um, as soon as I found out that Massachusetts was not included in that list, which to be honest was pretty shocking to me. Um, I immediately started doing some investigating on my own within the town. How are they teaching about the Holocaust in town? What have they done in the past? What are they doing now? Um, I have, I'm very lucky. I have um, friends um, who are administrators in both the town and at the state level. And I was able to review the state's curriculum um, that they do provide the schools um, in, in a lot of detail, as well as our Westboro schools um, curriculum. I think a huge problem is this. The generation that fought in World War II and the generation that were captive in concentration camps, they're dying out. Most of them are gone. It was a while ago now. Um, and with them goes their stories, all of those firsthand um, account of survival stories. Um, stories about being in those camps, stories about living through the Holocaust, they're fading. And it's our generation's responsibility to be repeating those kind of stories to our kids, to make sure that those lessons are not lost. Because if we fail to educate them, history is doomed to repeat itself. That's the I, way that things go. I, I, now I got to jump in on this because I, I couldn't agree with you more about that point, about at some point, yes, Schools need to adapt and change their curriculum according to the times. Mm -hmm. But we also have to remember, we've all been in school. There's really only six hours of learning a day I that happens it. in school. So yeah. we, can only, we can only put so much of this in school. You have to go, what's happening in the other 18 hours in that day? So this has to happen at home. It has to happen in your organizations, your community groups. We can't just put this on the schools because oh, it's not this all is, yeah. And I'm not saying you are, I'm not saying you are, but this is a conversation we've also had about, about um, black history. Yep. So it's literally, you're saying this, we're saying the same exact thing where black history, um, as you know, we were all in school together, you know, like really the only thing we learned in elementary school was that blacks were slaves. Yep. And that was, and that was a horrible day for me. 
I'm I never sure talked about it with you folks, but that was a horrible day because I was the only black kid in the class my entire elementary school career. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's turned around. They're looking at me and this and that. And, and it's just, um, that was an awful day. It would have been better if there was more substance and they told more positive stories about, about what was going on. Yeah. Just like Bobby, I remember your mother used to come up to the school and and another contingent of Jewish parents, mothers mostly, would come up and, yep. and they would talk about Hanukkah and they would talk about the traditions and they'd make those amazing potato latkes right. yeah. for everybody. I, I, I can still taste them, you know? So, but that's the kind of. You're not, not going to have to ask me twice. <laughs> but, but, but that's the kind of stuff that needs to happen. Mark, I'm going to go to you real quick, then I'm going to hit the comments. Go ahead, Mark. I actually want to uh, just make a. I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to do a cheap plug. Because uh, talking about the Holocaust, uh, I actually was a producer of a movie called Etched in Glass, uh, the Stephen Ross story. And it's premiering on uh, WGBH TV Channel 2 on November 12th at 9 p.m. So it's a really good film about a Holocaust survivor. Mark, so what I'm going to have you do is can you please put the information for that in the chat? So everybody out there, please pay attention to the chat. Mark's got uh, a great project that's coming up. And... He thinks that it, it you know, bears on this conversation. It's something that could be enlightening for everybody. So really quick, let's hit the chat because it's lighting up right now. All right, I'm going to go way back. We had Derek Small, which I put on the screen, class of 94, doing great stuff. Thank you, Derek. He's a uh, school administrator and a, and a very good friend of mine and a classmate of ours. Michael Powell says, it's even more important than a proper education in regards to teaching about tolerance and diversity is what is being taught in the home or the living environment. Yep. Mike, outstanding point. And, and as always, Mike, you're uh, razor sharp with your comments. All right, we have Brett. Brett says, fellow Jewish Wolverine here. Hey, Brett. My freshman my <laughs> woman was a big football player from Texas and we became good friends. Definitely intimidating though. All right, what else do we have here? We have Shari says, thank you for having this conversation with a hot sign. I think there's at least one person in here that, that knows and loves Sherry. <laughs> All right. Kevin says, I feel like I'm back in the old neighborhood. Love listening to all of you. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate the love, and we appreciate you coming through. Uh, David Neville says, the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. is highly recommended. Oh, All right. One to go, so, go ahead, Bobby. Uh, just as, a, as an aside, Dave, thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, Holocaust museums are one of the best places for kids to learn these days. And I'd highly recommend taking your children to, um, to one of them. There's an enormous one in Washington, D.C. So maybe when, you're, maybe when the world's a little bit more normal and we're traveling again. But there are also local Holocaust museums. So look one up and take your kids. So this show, you know, for those of you that are watching, we have people in different parts of the country that have started um, taking interest in the show. We are located in Massachusetts. All of us live in Massachusetts, um, mostly eastern Massachusetts. I think Bobby is on the corner Central. of Central, <laughs> Central-ish now. Um, yeah. Do we have anything in Massachusetts or in New England? We have a Boston Holocaust. Wait, which is actually Boston Holocaust? It's, it's etched in glass. There's a big glass thing. In fact, someone... Smashed it up. And it was it was damaged, and they had to fix it. But it has the names of all the, the victims, of all the people who died in the Holocaust. There's there's millions of names, a tiny little lettering on huge sheets of glass, and it's uh, it's uh, incredible. But I'll tell you something. It's super the public too. Now, the one in Washington is just unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, they have one of the box cars. You mm-hmm. walk in that. And you travel back in time and feel the pain of those people. You can hear their screams. It is just incredible. There's no better education than that. I'll so for, for those of you that are younger, what Mark's referring to is the boxcars is the, are the boxcars that were used to transport um, a lot of the prisoners to the concentration camps. Is that correct, Mark? Not prisoners. Not prisoners. Not Jewish prisoners. They, they transport Jewish families. families. To the, families. Jewish families. Yes. Jewish families that were that would then become prisoners at these camps. Yes, there were so many people in the boxcars that they couldn't even stand. They were. uh, It's it's an incredibly uh, it's an incredible thing. So do some do some research. You can find pictures on the internet. It's out there. You know you don't have to go to the museums. You can educate yourself 
on Google if you have to. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's out there. A hundred percent. But I think, you know, like we say, a picture's worth a thousand words. What is actually being in one of those um, boxcars worth? A million words, a billion words. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, like like you said, like you said, being in there um, will really drive it home for a lot of folks. Uh, a couple quick comments I want to get to. Elena says, Bobby and Ben, you have young kids. What conversations do you have around this with your kids? And how do you teach them to respond and react if they come across anti-Semitism? All right, so Ben, let's start with you. Um, so again, you know, I, I live in a town that, that is pretty diverse, but it does have a large Jewish population, but that doesn't mean that these things don't happen. Um, so we try to talk to them and, and obviously in any type of situation, unless they're actually forced to defend themselves, walk away because these people are so ignorant and they're not worth it. And they're just looking to get a rise out of you. So ignore them and walk away. But we want them to tell us because we want them to be able to have a conversation about it. Tell us how they're, you know, how that made them, how they made them feel, what, whatever it is that person said to them. Thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. I'm saying that it will, just thankfully that it hasn't, but I'm assuming that it will. And at that time, hopefully they'll know enough where just to ignore it and walk away and then tell us and we can have a conversation about it and go at it from that front. Because the, the people that say these things, you know, either like to Bobby's point, they probably don't even know what they're saying, but at some point they are going to know what they're saying and they're doing it specific purpose to get a specific reaction out of them. So I'm hoping that they are able to have some good sense, walk away, ignore them, and then we can deal with it, you know, at a different time. Same question to you, Bobby, you know, Um, and of course, Alina, for those who don't know, is one of my closest friends. Um, And, and I was going to joke and say, I'd tell her to tell her auntie Alina and go, um, you know, and that she'll go beat people up for for them. But that that's, that's not really where where we're going here. So, um, I, because Lila was exposed to that incident with, it was her, one of her closest friends, brothers, um, who, you know, received that Heil Hitler salute. Um, because of that, I had to have a pretty intense conversation with Lila, um, cause she was really upset. So when, um, when we had a conversation about that, I try to explain to her because I think that, and I, I mean, and maybe, I don't know if Mark and Ben agree, but, um, but I think that anti-Semitism is the oldest form of hatred and um, it's been around forever. And I want my daughter to understand that she won't change people's minds if, um, if they're resolute against disliking Jewish people, um, but that those people just don't belong in her life anyway. So we've, you know, tried to do a, a, tried to explain to her that people will say and do things that she finds horrible, um, speak up against it. If it's, you know, if, if somebody else is being harmed, we expect for you to stand up to that person, you know, stand up and help that person. And if it's you, I would hope that your friends will stand up. What are you doing with your kids? Oh, it's interesting. Oh, when they were younger, what did you do? Well, I was just thinking that, that the way we raised our kids, if everybody did the same thing. We wouldn't have a problem because our house was colorblind, religious blind, everything blind. We had people of all stripes at our house. My, my son played football. He was the quarterback, so we had all the kids on the football team. It was quite a, uh, a group of uh, different people uh, from Jews. Actually, I don't think there was any of the Jewish kids on the team, but, but most of the kids were of color. And they, they were great. It, it's just it's a wonderful thing. They're all family. All these kids are family right now still, you know, 10 years after graduation. Um, so they didn't, I, they don't think they really ran into a lot of problems with anti-Semitism growing up in Stoughton. None of the kids that I, that I talked to, my kids didn't share that kind of problem. But they, but they were friends with a lot of kids who had families like us that didn't, that welcomed everybody in the home and spoke nicely about everybody. And I think that, and, 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 you know, we encourage kids to come over on Sunday night for a Chinatown dinner. We had lots of kids over, and we had big Italian food dinners with mush with meatballs for everybody. You know, this was the kind of thing we did, and a lot of the other kids did the same thing. And I think that's we need more of that. You know, we need more parents getting together with their kids and and, and teaching them that, you know, we don't judge people by the color of their skin, by their religion. We judge them by their character. I mean, it's been said many times from. Martin Luther King said it the best, but I mean, it's true. 
And I, I think that if more people brought their kids up like that, there'd be a lot less problems in our world. Mm -hmm. I, I have to agree with you on, on that. So I'm going to jump in on this because um, uh, Ben said something that, that really brought me back to our childhood about, you know, how to handle it when someone, particularly a kid, says it to another kid. All right. Now, um, your boys are a little bit older than you and I were when, when I transferred into the, the given school, but, you know, it didn't take long for somebody to bring up the color of my skin in a very derogatory way. So um, I'm not going to say I disagree with what you said as far as walking away, but sometimes it doesn't hurt, even as a young kid, to maybe ask a couple follow-up questions like, well, what made you say that? Or, or, or why, are you, why are you coming at me that way? You know, now granted, I'm not, you know, that could lead to, well, not nowadays, kids don't fight anymore, but back before when kids fought, that led to me getting into, I'm sure you remember, I got into a few um, mm -hmm. dust-ups back in the day over that kind of stuff. But sometimes it helps to get to, to have a discussion and you'll get to, the, to, to somebody else say, you know what, I don't even know why I said that. Or, you know what, somebody at home said it and I just was repeating it. I don't really know what it means. So I saw it on a show because that kind of stuff matters. Context matters. Because if I, you know, wasn't friends with every kid that said something that was a little on the fringes racially as a, as a kid, like I, I would have crossed a decent amount of kids off, off the list yeah. because you know what I mean? Because it was things that maybe they heard from older, older siblings or parents, but it wasn't necessarily what was in their heart. So, I so I was just say something, share something about Randolph because that's where I grew up uh, before you guys. But in the seventies, there were people walking down Randolph's high school's corridors saying, Jew, Jew, Jew. There was a lot of anti-Semitism when I went to school. It was it was prevalent there. And a lot of those kids, you know, uh, were really, really nasty individuals who would rob kids and put their heads in the toilets. And I mean, this is the kind of stuff that was going on in the 1970s in Randolph, okay? And now all those kids, when we go to the, the, the reunions, they've all changed and many of them have apologized for their behavior. Some haven't because they don't remember what they did. But I remember it. I remember every single thing that people said to me when I was growing up. And and I've welcomed all these people into my life that have come over to me now. They're all thinking that, they all say to me, oh, we were friends in high school. I didn't, I didn't know any of these kids, except the fact that they tortured me. But, you know, I, I'm still friendly with them because I don't hold grudges. But what I'm saying is that that was, that was a, pre, a prevalent thing in the 70s in Randolph. And, it, and that was a very diverse town. Back then it wasn't as diverse. There was a lot of Jewish people in Randolph and it was also uh, others that weren't, and they they fought. And I hear you on Randolph I, again. Like Bobby brought up my my speech earlier earlier when we were talking um, backstage that I gave at a high school. We ended up in Stoughton because we were kind of we were essentially I don't know what, what the official term is. I don't know if it's called redlining or what. Where we weren't really shown very good properties in Randolph, and because they didn't necessarily want black families there back in the seventies. And lo and behold, now Randolph is probably the most diverse town in New England. So, so that's how we ended up in Stoughton. Two black children, two black kids in our class growing up. Mm -hmm. I'm very so, good. Oh, but they're great people. But back then, I can just imagine how they felt listening to you before, talking about your experience. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah, uh, this is something that hits home with all of us. But I would encourage both of you, both um, Bobby and Ben, to at least consider what I'm saying, that if it's somebody that um, – that is a peer of your children's and they say something, maybe ask a follow-up question or two. And if it gets hostile, then by all means, but um, sometimes getting to the why I know that, you know, when we went to school and I did that with kids that said things to me, um, it helped. Sometimes I got apologies and, um, and some people I became friends with to this day. So that's just something to consider. And Mark, I want to just touch on something you said about you grew up in a colorblind house. So you raised a colorblind house. Um, the colorblind thing, um, again, this is just my personal feeling towards it. It is a great sentiment, and it is something that sounds great, but but I know as far as being uh, a man of color, like that's not something that I have the option of being. Like, for example, I walk into a room. I'm a big guy as it is. I'm 6'1". I'm 200-plus pounds, all right? And I walk into a room. Everybody knows that I am black. So I don't have the option of just saying, hey, you know, pay no attention to my black skin. I'm just I'm the same as everybody else. All right. So what I what what my preference is, is when you see me, maybe you acknowledge the fact that I'm black or I would acknowledge the fact that Bobby or Ben is Jewish. And I say, you know what? I don't care about that. I care about how you treat me. 
like you said, now we go back to the content of the character because right. sometimes it almost sounds as if um, it almost sounds dismissive when you say, all right, hey, I'm colorblind. Like you're dismissing that other culture. You know what I mean? And again, it's not in intentional. I get it. It's not intentional. I don't get mad, but I know that I've spoken to people, um, young, you know, younger, younger black kids, myself, that, um, you know, as a preference, I would say, I, would, I want you to embrace the fact that I'm black and I want you to embrace the fact that I'm black, you're white, you're Jewish. And you know what? We love each other. And we and we and we care about each other. And if you needed me, I'd be there for you in a second, and vice versa. Go ahead. Who wants to? All right. Who wants to respond to that first? Everybody kind of jumped up at once, so I'll go to Mark first. Well, I, I all I know is that the, the kids that came in our house, no matter what color they were, mm -hmm. called my mother, call my wife, mom, and me, dad, and, and we're very close. And we've never had a discussion about what color we are or or what religion we are. It, mm -hmm. it never came up. We because it doesn't matter to you because you care about the content of the character. It was about football and it was about getting together and having fun and, 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 and you know, and brotherhood and that, and that's it. You know, uh, that kind of thing. I understand where you're, what you're saying. And, mm -hmm. and I was thinking that if, if we had everybody in our house and there was one individual of color and everybody else was white, they might feel a little bit awkward. But it was, it was a really a diverse crowd all the time. Mm-hmm. That's because my son, his friends are diverse. He is actually a professional rapper. So picked a, a weird thing for a Jewish guy. But, <laughs> hey, you know, that's, There's a lot of Yahoo out there. So. <laughs> yeah, just, just know, Mark, you're not going to get away with that. We are going to circle back to that at some point. All right. Um, ben, Bobby, do you have a response to that? And then we'll move on. Uh, I do. So, Go ahead, Bobby. Um, and what, what I usually say is, and I, I also, I think... Um, that term colorblind, um, well, well, I think I used to use it too. And then I realized that's actually kind of hurtful. So what I um, choose to impart to my daughter and the, the way that I live my life and the way my husband lives his life is that if we meet somebody and they're kind to us, um, we like them and we can be friends. If we encounter somebody who is not nice and is cruel to us, we don't have to be friends. And that takes away all of the, you know, um, race, religion. It takes all of that out of these statements. It's all about being able to embrace everybody and to just impart to your kids. And I can't explain to you how much I've tried to do this with my daughter, that you have to get to know people before you can make a judgment about them. Ben, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead, Ben. I'm, I'm going to stop you there, Bobby, because you can't go any higher than you just did. You, you're, you're on the top of the mountain with that comment. Ben, go ahead. Uh, yeah, but, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the, the town in which I live is pretty diverse, uh, has a pretty diverse community. Um, my boys are friends with Jews and non-Jews. My friends are, uh, my boys are friends with uh, Asians. My friends are boys, uh, my, excuse me, my boys are friends with um, uh, black kids in their class. Uh, Indian, but it doesn't matter. They don't see them as whatever their race or ethnicity or, or, or religion. They, it's just who's nice to them and who they like hanging out with. You know, those kids are nice to them and they're nice back and they like hanging out. They ride bikes, they play sports, they whatever. They don't see them as anything other than these kids in my town that are nice to me and we're friends. And if we can just have all of those generations grow up with that same sentiment, then maybe we can change this. I, I, I can't agree with you more. I'm just going to talk about one thing. You know, both of you, it's interesting that I have both of you here because both of you had sets of parents that were, that really made me feel great and, and, and really made me feel wanted. But in particular, Bobby's mother, <laughs> your mother and I always had a synergy. We, re we always did. And Ben, your father, your father at sporting events, uh, he would referee, um, he would always talk to me differently. We were always able to, I don't know. There was just something about the way that your mother and your father treated me that, um, that I'll never forget, you know? And, and, and if I, if I didn't thank him for it, you know, I, I, I wish I had of, um, because they always made me feel included. They always made me feel special. They always made me feel like I mattered. Um, and that was, and that was back in the eighties. Yeah. So, um, it's, 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 it's important that, that you both know that. So we got a comment here. Um, all right. So Mike, so Mike says, it amazes me that no matter how many atrocities occur in human history, 
that there are people who continue to discriminate against others based on race, religion, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, etc. We are all human, and as a society, we need to. It looks like it got cut off. <laughs> I can all right. see it. It says can you? we need to find ways to learn from history, prevent it from repeating, and treat everyone with the dignity and respect they deserve. Bravo. All right, Mark, I'm going to go to you. What's your solution for this? How do we implement this? Well, I agree with it, but I, I don't, we can't implement anything. It has to come from the homes. It has to come from the house. It has to come from the 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 the, uh, the the media. Has to be doing this kind of stuff. The schools have to be doing this kind of stuff. It's it's a uh, it's a total society has to do this. It can't just be us. I, I wish it could be. And when I say us, I mean society. So it has to be a societal buy-in, is what you're saying. It has to be a buy-in all the way through. Has to be it with through education. Has to be through uh, the government. I mean, everybody has to be uh, on on the same page. And unfortunately, right now in our country, we're at a precipice of division, and it's, uh, it, it it also affects these kind of items too. You know, Ben. Same question. Uh, ed education, education, education. You know, at, at all levels. But I, I think that. Um, you know, Mark touched upon government and, and it's, it's challenging, you know, to make sure that, you know, we're educating our kids in a certain way when we don't see it being followed through perhaps, you know, at the highest levels, you know, of government. Um, you talked about protected classes. Some protected classes are more protected than others, yeah. you know, so it's, it's that, it's that balance that we're trying to get, like, we're trying to get everybody to buy in and be like, why don't we just all believe this, you know, because we should, because it's better for everybody. And then, you know, the generations that grow up, you know, there won't be any, there wouldn't be any racism. There wouldn't be any anti, you know, anti-Semitism because it wouldn't exist anymore because no one would practice it. You know, that's not realistic. Obviously that's pie in the sky. I understand that. Some people are always going to teach that Jews started the Holocaust. People are always going to teach that black people are inferior. And it's just the way that they are, you know, and I don't know that there's any way to change those people. But if we change enough people's minds, maybe we can do something. So to your point, and, and you're right, I tried to get you all to fall into a little trap there, you know, and see if anybody would, would take the bait and say, oh, there's a wholesale fix and we can get everybody all at once. The fact of the matter is, and again, as, as, as a police officer, I know this better than most, you just, you can't save everybody. You just can't. It's just not mathematically possible. But what you can do, to Ben's point, is you can focus on the people that are on the fence. And you can try to pull them one, or to your side or push them to the other side, one way or the other. You know, but the people that are hardcore one way or the other, that's just, they've kind of made up their mind. And it's um, they just oh, they can tend to just yell and scream over one another instead of trying to have a difficult conversation like we're doing here tonight. All right. So no, education really is important because ignorant is the thing that causes a lot of this stuff and if you're ignorant and you can learn if you are willing to learn you can you can change your whole thing i mean i saw that with people i grew up with and you mentioned it yourself that you grew up with some people that changed so it can change ignorance is not an excuse but it's what people that's what happens with with anti-semitism and racism and 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 uh, you know all these different isms because of, of ignorance. When people are educated and they understand the ramifications of what they're doing, they don't do it. You know, I, I just, I, I really think that that's the key to everything is, is education. You touched upon it, but and, it, 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 it's really- Mark. And those educa that educational process starts in a forum just like this, where you have, a, you have a discussion and you talk about things that people typically are uncomfortable, makes people want to go the other way because it's not, warm this is not a warm and fuzzy topic we're having right now it's very much cold and prickly all right like we learned back when we were in school and to ben's point earlier if we treated everybody well wouldn't we just be it would really just be listen to your kindergarten teacher because i think every kindergarten in america you know you learn these basic principles of how to teach people but somewhere along the line that that message gets muddled and um and and and, and we move away from it so i'm just going to go a couple quick comments here um you know, again, you're with you're here on uh, difficult conversations by Supply the Why. We have Mark Snyder, we got Bobby Chef, and we got Ben Thaler. Mark. So, 
Bo- I'm sorry, Bobby Mark. Nobody's you know what? Because we started going back in the day, and and I, I immediately went back to how I knew you. You, you know, it, it it always flowed, Bobby Chef. You know what I mean? I, it did, I'd it? say it all, say it all at the same Not thing. The same anymore. So we got a comment from Diane Druckmann Thaler. Um, I think that somebody here is pretty close with that young lady as well. She says we're listening, and Ed is smiling. That makes me very, very happy to know that that uh, your parents are watching and that they're proud of what we're here uh, doing. That that really means a lot to me. Um, we have Aubrey Mod says thank you, Bobby, for inviting me to listen this evening. Intelligent and thought-provoking commentary, Aubrey. That's that means a lot. Job. Well, thank you, thank you, Aubrey. And again, I'm sorry. I know it's Mard and not Chef. I know that now, so I, I apologize. But um, thank you for stopping by, Aubrey, and um. Now you're seeing a little bit about what we're about here at Supply the Why. Right. I think you should. I think you should actually be reading the comment from someone named Heidi Lynn. Don't you? Uh, think? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. Diane is very proud of the Gibbon School grads. And Amy says, "Treat people the way you want to be treated. It's that simple." All right. 100%. So this is a question. So. How do we ensure that our towns and cities are doing their part in educating the community? This is from Heidi Jenkins. Very lovely young lady. Phenomenal cook, by the way. All right. So let's talk. Let's ask. Let's, let's go to that. So how do we ensure that our towns and cities are doing their part in the education? Mark, you're pretty hooked in with educational, uh, the educational world. I've always felt with my own kids and other kids I see, it's important to have parents involved. Parent involvement is the biggest part of education. And if you ask teachers, they'll tell you that kids who have parents involved do much better than the kids who don't. And I think that that we have to assure that our schools are teaching Holocaust education, that they're teaching uh, diversity, that they're teaching all these different things nowadays and, and planting it in the kids from a young age. And and that's up to parents to insist that it be done. Bobby, floor's uh-huh. yours. Yeah, so something that I would do, and um, by the way, hi, Heidi Lynn. I, I'm, I'm like excited to meet your wife. Um, so um, what I would recommend is doing something like what I did, especially if you live in Massachusetts and you know that they're not mandating any kind of Holocaust education here. I would reach out to your school administration and ask for the curriculum. I would reach out to um, any kind of, um, of state administrators that you may have contact with, like educational state administrators, and um, ask them to include Holocaust education as being mandatory for Massachusetts. I have been um, pushing away at these things, both within my town and within the state, and then in a larger sense within the Northeast um, for the past several months. So if anybody wants tips on how to approach this, um, please feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. Um, I'm Barbara Chef Mard on Facebook. So you'll be able to find me that way. Um, and I can certainly help you in, um, in creating the right connections and getting to the bottom of, um, of trying to get the right education in place. Bobby, I'm going to have you put your, uh, your contact information in the chat. And that, that goes for everybody. So, uh, Mark, I know you have, it'll probably take you a, a, a year to put all your stuff in with all your, 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 your things, your projects and things like that. But if you have the energy, please put your stuff uh, put all your information in the chat so people can can keep in touch with you because I'm sure that a lot of people that are watching this, they've been enlightened, much like I've been enlightened, and they're going to want to keep in touch with you. Ben, I'm going to go to you. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, it's 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 not it's not much different, you know, from what Mark and Bobby said. You know, it's it, it, it's education in the home, you know, as well as being loud, you know, calling. Um, you know, calling school administrators, writing letters, you know, just being, you know, being the squeaky wheel and making sure that people know that you're there and you're asking for this and you provide the information and reasons why it's important. You know, I think we've all discussed over the last 45 minutes plus or so why this information is important based on that study where people don't even know that it exists or they think that Jews started it. There's just so much to Mark's point, ignorance, and it's not necessarily stupidity. It's just they don't know and they haven't been taught which goes to the education piece so i think just being loud and and trying to get in front of people and say hey you know if we've got the resources let's see if we can put this into the curriculum we think it's really beneficial outstanding another quick comment we have here we have 
Michael Powell says, thank you for sharing your thoughts and your experiences. Good stuff. The more you know, the more you grow. I think that, uh, is that from an after-school special from when we were kids? I think that, that, that from one of those, like, the snippets or something when we were kids. Uh, so Heather says, I've been showing more love for people and my country more than ever before. The world need it now more than ever. Amen to that. Yep. Amen. So I know this is going to sound crazy, folks, but we're already 50 minutes in. All right, we're under 10 minutes left in the show. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a question here that I think that each one of you can do in about two minutes, give your last word, and then we're all then we're going to be done for the night. All right, so. Is there a, is there a post-show party? The, uh, I wish there was. If this COVID thing ever goes away, Mark, man, I promise we're going to do it up in person. All right? So here's the question. All right, I'm going to start with Mark. I'm going to go to Ben, then I'm going to go to Bobby. Why is it that this issue has not gained much traction in social media and on the news? Well, actually, it has a lot of traction on social media. There are many, many posts about anti All right, I, I guess I'm going to go to Mark first. Mark, go ahead. You go first. <laughs> I thought you said Mark was first. Did I, I thought it, did I? I thought I said Bobby, then Mark. All right, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> There's a lot of conversation on social media about anti-Semitism. And there's a lot of anti-Semitism on social media. So, you know, uh, the conversations out there, the media doesn't really want to, re they, they have their own narration. They have their own agenda. And that's what they follow. And uh, I am a member of the media. I've been a member for 40 years. I'm one of the people who doesn't follow the agenda. But I get it. I get it every day in my email. I know exactly what they're going to say on me. some of the network stations. So uh, if people want to make it as something to, to talk about, they have to be loud, they have to be aggressive, and they have to make their voices heard. And call a guy like me, we'll write about it. You know what I mean? You gotta find a friendly journalist. And uh, you know, the conversation has to be had. And again, the louder it is, and the more people get uh, knowledge about what's going on and they, they, their ignorance is, is taught and they, they change, the better this country's gonna be. And it's one house at a time, one community at a time, one state at a time, and one nation at a time. Outstanding. Mark, please make sure you get your information in there. I know people are going to want to reach out to you, so please get let people know how they can get in touch with you. Go ahead, real quick. I'm just unlisted. let people know. I'm unlisted. Unlisted? So if somebody wants to reach out to you to get their story out there, do you want I'm them to email you? I'm on, I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, Facebook. Snyder Sandwich, Snyder Stoughton. Um, Mark Snyder, Snyder Stone. I mean, you can find me. Just do a Google of Mark Snyder's celebrity interviewer. It comes. <laughs> That's what people are looking for. Someone's got to do it. All right, all right. Next. Because <laughs> you're so I think that's me. It's not sexy. Anti-Semitism. I'm going to say it. Anti-Semitism is not sexy, right? It doesn't sell. You know, it doesn't get clicked, uh, you know, and, and people are too consumed with themselves. You know, they're consumed with making the perfect duck face and getting that perfect selfie to post on their Instagram feed so they can get, you know, likes and followers and because that is status. People aren't concerned about anti-Semitism. You know, it's out there. And yes, people like us are talking about it. And some in the media mention it, and there are articles out there. And sometimes they'll do a little story on, you know, a swastika that was that was spray painted on a local synagogue, you know. But that doesn't lead, you know, because it didn't bleed. So, <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's not. It's just not. It's just not sexy enough. But you know, if we if we continue to have these conversations. You know, and, and the more that these conversations are had and the more that they're shared, perhaps the more that they're discussed and people want to learn more and they'll become more educated. And as we discussed already, education is the key. So hopefully we can we can do something about this. Outstanding. Last but definitely not least. Oh, it's my turn. Um, so I think Ben's absolutely right with it not being sexy. And we're, you know, we. I think all three of us work in media. So, um, so <laughs> I, what I would say is that 
anti-Semitism, um, it, it doesn't fit today's narrative. We're living in the powder keg of COVID and we have a Black Lives Matter movement that's going on and it's just, it's kind of way down there. Um, but I, um, I also think that it doesn't get the attention because of what Mark said, where we're not stand the Jewish people are not standing up screaming for coverage. We're not standing up yelling that this is, you know, a, a bad thing that's happening. I mean, I have been personally, but I don't, I can't, I don't speak on behalf of my whole community. So I, I think it's really an issue with, to be honest, more Jewish people need to take this very seriously. Um, and our comrades need to take it seriously and really step up the support because um, it's gross. The stuff that I, the stuff that I read on Facebook, I mean, I wish you could have sat in my shoes over the summer while I cried while I read comments on Facebook. Um, it's very upsetting, but it's also where a lot of these, um, these battles are kind of taking place. So I'd say if we want coverage, we got to be the squeaky wheel. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Well said. Well, we're up against it. We're down to about a couple minutes left. Uh, I can't thank you all enough for taking the time out to do this show. Um, you can tell by the response in the chat. And um, um, I know that this is going to get shared a bunch because I don't hear many forums like this discussing uh, this issue. And hopefully this is the start of something. And, and it's something that I know you're passionate about. And I, I know it's something that, is near and dear to your heart now that I've made it, I've been made aware of it and it's in my face. I can't just sit back and say nothing about it either. All right. So uh, a couple quick shout outs for the night. So if you've noticed behind me and you've been following the show for a while, I want to give a shout out to meeting house mill for the beautiful background that they were able to provide for me. So Karen at meeting house mill, she can handle all your crafting needs. You need cups, you need etched glass, you need backgrounds for your talk shows. See Karen at Meeting House Mill. She does amazing work, and she really is a magician. All right. Also, I also want to give a shout out to KP Designs for the shirts. They uh, have put together this logo and put and um and put this together. Again, I couldn't be be, be doing this. I I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for certain people supporting me. And um and I want to thank everybody that's been supporting us and it's understand the mission of Supply the Why. So really quick, um, Bobby. Any, any particular social media or anything like that you want to yeah. direct people to before we go? I do. Um, so I want to, sorry, I want to let everybody know about the Anti-Defamation League, which is, um, which is the ADL. It is not the be-all, end-all of Jewish um, resources, but it is, a, it is a half decent one. Mark doesn't like it. They have a really good incident tracker, though, that I like. Um, so where you can see all of, you know, current anti-Semitic incidents. It's also very grounded in the, in the left. So I think that, that that's why some people don't, um, really love the organization. There's a couple of others that I'd suggest checking out. One of All right, you got about you got about thirty uh, seconds. Sorry, mm -hmm. antisemitism.org. Um, I'd recommend going to a Holocaust museum, um, and also the Jewish Council for Public Affairs at JewishPublicAffairs.org will have a lot of information for you too. Outstanding, Ben. Anything that you want to direct anybody's attention to? Any causes you want to shout out? Um. There is a, there's an Instagram account. I know I just spent a couple of minutes railing at social media, so it's just kind of funny. Uh, but there is an Instagram account. It's called Jewish on Campus, and it does allow people to anonymously post some anti-Semitic instances that happen to them, you know, mostly on college campuses, and they are all vetted before they are posted publicly. Um, I also do actually want to say my boys are actually celebrating their bar mitzvah this Saturday. Um, they are, it's, it's all in the age of COVID and, you know, there's no party and, you know, their grandparents can't even be there, you know, to see it and everything is online and it's awful. Um, and I feel really badly that they have to do such a, an actual mitzvah, um, for their Jewish, their Jewish heritage and their Jewish upbringing, you know, in an age like this, but they have been rock stars and they are studying so super hard and I'm really proud of them. And I can't wait to see what they do on Saturday. Well, congratulations, boys. Mark. Muslim I'll leave it to you. You got about thirty. You got about thirty seconds, Mark. You got anything? Just a reminder: Etched in Glass, the Holocaust movie, uh, is premiering at WGBH TV, November twelfth at nine p.m. I was an associate producer on the film. It's a great film. And if anybody wants to reach me, they can write to pmpco at aol.com. I I do answer my email. And have a wonderful night, and thanks for inviting us on. 
You guys were fantastic. Um, you far ex- I mean, I knew you were going to be great, but you really, all three of you knocked it out of the park. Um, Mark, I know that this is what you do. Um, this is, you, 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 you're in the media and you, you're making things happen. Bobby and Ben, clearly you guys are comfortable speaking. You're marketers. So um, I'm, I'm proud of all of you, and, I, and I'm glad we were able to have this difficult conversation tonight. Thank you so much. For Thank you, Dean. All right, folks, check out the, the, the Supply of the Y Facebook page, Supply of the Y YouTube channel, and we got more coming. Stay tuned for some exciting announcements. All right? Good night, folks. Good night. 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 Good night